It is episode 18 of the Shock Jacques Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network. Sean St. Jacques back here with you for another week of Knicks and NBA talk on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network. Holy smokes. Uh, where to begin uh, is, is kind of where I'm at. I was at a little bit of a writer's block, podcast block. I don't know. I don't know how to put it. I didn't know where to start for this week's episode. A lot to get to. Um, Man, a lot of positives, I thought, and then a lot of frustration uh, from the last week. Four games in the week since I did the the first podcast. Uh, Knicks went one and three in the week. Uh, Picked up their first win of the season. Uh, I do want to get to that. I want to get to the preposterous... A uh, couple of games, uh, you know, the the Brooklyn game, I, I, I felt good about coming out of that game, felt terrible coming out of the Boston game, and last night, I, I, I don't know, uh, I, I felt a little bit down as well. Um, first of all, happy Halloween, I'm recording this on Halloween, hope you're all out there, I know it's raining uh, right now in the tri-state area. So if you're in the tri-state area, I uh, hope you're at least at a party or something like that uh, and enjoying the Halloween festivities. I think I have some candy and some stuff on hand for later tonight, so I'm excited for that. Hope you're all doing the same and enjoying uh, the days going into the weekend that leads into November and November basketball. Knicks don't play again until Friday, so you guys will hear the podcast uh, leading into or just during or after uh, the Celtics game on the road in Boston. So I hope you guys are enjoying the weekend. Let's dive in again. I, I'm trying to trying to make sense of the last week. It, it, it's been a bit. Listen, I'll start with this. There have been a lot of positives. I thought. Listen, the Knicks Nets game. I left pretty confident in. To be honest with you, I, I liked what I saw for the most part. You know, Alonzo Trier woke up in that game. We finally got to see. Some good stuff out of him. I mean, 22 points on seven shots from the field. You throw in seven free throws. Phenomenal. Much better out of Kevin Knox. You know, R.J. Barrett, efficiency not great, but he stuffed the statue. I think he had six steals in the Brooklyn game. You know, four steals from Mitchell Robinson, along with seven rebounds as well. So you got to see the better sides of his game. Uh, Decent from Julius Randle. And things of that nature. You know, Frank Nilakina didn't play in the loss to the Nets. I think that was the the underbelly of another story I've got to get to at some point. You know, the Knicks really came back in that fourth quarter. They outscored they outscored the Nets by eight in the second half, but it was that first quarter that, that really undid any chances. Actually, I actually outscored the Nets by nine in the second, or rather in the third and the fourth quarters, but it was that first half that really undid the Knicks. That first quarter in particular, the Knicks were really bad, and the Nets took advantage. They hit some shots. Uh, Kyrie had a decent game, and he hit some big shots late. Stars will do that, and if he doesn't hit those shots, obviously the Knicks probably win. So you feel good about that one, in my opinion, and then they just lay an egg at home against a, a, a decent Celtics team to be fair, that needed 32 from Kemba Walker. Um, 
And in the end, uh, you know, again, more frustrations. Frank Nilakina barely plays again in that game. They don't think he technically registered a minute, but they've got him down as zeros across the board. Uh, and I remember, I believe, watched the, the, at least most of that game. And I think he maybe checked in once, barely played, and they threw him right back on the bench. Uh, you know, heavier load from R.J. Barrett. He scored 26 points. The bench really didn't do a whole lot in that game. And the biggest, the Celtics game for me, 23 turnovers. Holy smokes. Keep keep the hole on the basketball. Knicks played, you know, listen, really well in the first half. And then in the second half, it was a, it was a totally different team. Uh, I, I'm just trying to whip through these. Then, then a smile was brought to my face when the Bulls came to town. And... Listen, the first half was absolutely terrible. Uh, there's no there's no getting around that. The Knicks were god-awful in the first quarter. They were better in the second quarter, but still not great in my opinion. And then in the third, it was a battle. Both teams kind of evened things out a little bit. And then the Knicks just went off in the fourth. And I got to tell you, I haven't, I haven't been that happy with a win in a while. Bobby Portis, I think, had 28 points. And couldn't miss from three. I think he hit four or five threes and didn't miss a single triple. Julius Randle was a man. And we had eight turnovers. But other than that, he was phenomenal. Um, and, and I loved what R.J. Barrett brought to the table. He played, didn't miss a minute. I think actually maybe missed two minutes in that game. Played 40 minutes uh, in the game. And I, I just, you know, what Knox brought to the table. And, oh, man. I, what a great come from behind victory. The Knicks were dead in the water in that game. There's no question about that. The game was over, and they turned the tables. Obviously, you know, Portis being a former Bull, to step up like that is extremely impressive. And again, I knocked him a little bit a couple of shows ago, maybe even the last show. I don't, I don't recall now. But I remember thinking, you know, oh boy, I don't know what we're going to get out of him this season in a former Bull draft pick ends up snatching one away from them. And and that was fun to watch. I remember tweeting out, you know, how much I, hopefully it's not the first, or rather, hopefully it's not the last time I say how much I love Bobby Portis this season. But he was phenomenal. I, I, you got to give that guy a lot of credit. And he took good shots. And, and that's been the thing with the Knicks. That's been frustrating. You know, if they take, there's been the, the run in the Spurs game on opening night, the 18-0 run, and then the, the the run against the Magic last night. I, I mean, puzzling. The Knicks were right there for a lot of the game. And then they just let the Magic have their way down the stretch. And Matador defense at times, I, I mean, it was just awful. And what happened with the Spurs happens again. A huge run late in the game and, and the Knicks can't recover. So it's a really tough one to take against a beatable team. A beatable team. There's no question about that. That The Knicks could have won that game. They could have won the Spurs game. They could have won the Nets game. And, and these are where we need to see those differences. They have to finish these games off. Listen, I get it. It's a new team. It's a young team. They have to learn how to win. But those are opportunities early in the season to get some momentum and the Knicks aren't doing that. Now, you know, microcosm, that's a problem. Big picture, this was expected. So it's tough. I, I mean, I'm on the fence because I want to see these guys win. I, I look back at the performance. I didn't think Randall was that great. I look at the stat sheet. He almost had a triple-double. Defensively, wasn't great. You know, Marcus Morris had his worst game as a Nick. 
11 shots, 9 points against the Magic. Not good at all. Mitchell Robinson probably had one of his better games of the season. 12 points in 19 minutes. He had 3 blocks. Bobby Portis has a double-double. So there's some positives. Now, you know, Alonzo Trier doesn't play. We still haven't seen Iggy Brasdakis, by the way, as well. So that's a little bit... Uh, well, I guess you, you you could chalk that up to Fizdale wanting to use the guys, but then I all, all up and down the weekend, or rather all up and down this last week, I should say, since the last show, one of the biggest stories is why is Frank Nilakina not starting for the next and sometimes not playing at all? And I want to get to that story in a second. So it's a lot of frustration, as we expected, to be fair, but some bright spots, some good performances. But again, you know, I think at times, you know, the Knicks, I think it may even boil down to this. When the Knicks are out and running, when they're pushing the pace, when the bigs are running, when they're looking for for an outlet, when they're passing well in transition, they are very tough to stop. But when we get into the half court, when we see the Knicks in the half court, especially down the stretch, and they're not taking their time, they're rushing shots, and they're not working within the offense, you see runs like you saw last night, and you see runs like you saw against San Antonio, where literally, it, it it's not just one guy. Everyone on the floor is ISO basketball, and as soon as they get the ball, they're chucking it up. And that can't happen, not with this kind of a team. This is not the Nets. When, when you need a shot, you go to Kyrie Irving. There's nobody like that on this team. I know Bobby Portis for a night was the king of Manhattan hitting shot after shot and beating the Bulls, but it's the Bulls. You, you can't rely on that with this team every night. Guys have to work together. Different guys have to beat you. And with the way the Knicks have had success, they're not sticking to that all the time. That's expected with a young team. They're inconsistent. But on top of that, you cannot rush the offense in the half court. I, I, oh my God, the amount of times the Magic got extra opportunities. Uh, just, just mind-numbing stuff. And again, Knicks were fine. They turned the ball over 11 times. That's fine. They could have turned Ma- the Magic over a little bit more. Magic only had seven turnovers. Another difference in the game, a slight difference in the game as well. And on top of that, you know, the Knicks missed six free throws. Could have been a big difference in the game. Now, it was here and there. You know, Dotson missed a free throw. Barrett missed a couple of free throws. Ellington missed a free throw. Marcus Morris and Julius Randle each missed a free throw. So it's not one guy gets to the line 18 times, he misses six free throws. It, it, it's just one of those things where these are the little things when you're not the best team in the league you have to do these things if you want to win. Now, here's why I'm holding out hope. This is a young team. They're expected to struggle. The schedule gets a little bit lighter as we continue on. Now, the next game's in Boston. They're probably going to lose. But we're expecting this Nick team to pull off a couple of surprises. You know, Then it's Sacramento at home, Detroit and Dallas on the road. And then, in my opinion, a very winnable stretch. Cleveland at home, Chicago on the road, and then Dallas, Charlotte, and Cleveland all at home. Very winnable stretch in November. And it's it's the same thing I pointed out earlier. That's got to be a multiple win stretch, bare minimum. You've got to win two of those games. 
that Cleveland through Cleveland stretch, you get Cleveland twice at home. Twice! Cleveland, Chicago, Dallas, Charlotte, Cleveland. You gotta win at least two or three of those games. If you don't, I mean, we've got some serious problems going into Turkey Day, folks. We really do. I'm gonna My, my dinner's gonna be spoiled. If we're going into Turkey Day and the Knicks have not won the majority of those games. Holy smokes. And I'm not asking a lot there. Beat Cleveland twice and beat Charlotte. Maybe beat Chicago. If you win four out of five, I, I'll invite you all over for dinner on Thanksgiving. If we win four out of five, the Knicks win four out of five, dinner's on me on Turkey Day. That's all I'm going to say. If you can win four out of five there, we're talking now. But I'm, ask, I'm just asking for three. I'll let you get a slip up. You got to take care of home court. When you face Cleveland twice and Charlotte, you got to win those games. And, and listen, there's a lot of other things to factor into last night's game. No Dennis Smith Jr. Oh, not involved. Alfred Payton also out. So two guys that, that didn't dress. Oh, man. The worst position for the Knicks to have injury problems. Point guard. And we talked about this a little bit during the preseason shows. And and here's the deal. These are this this is not something the Knicks can just overcome. It's a lot tougher than that. You don't want anybody to be down. Let's begin with to not have Smith or Peyton. Huge, huge problem, and it obviously it hurt in Orlando last night. One of them, you know, listen, Dennis Smith had a legitimate excuse. Lost, I believe, their stepmother, his stepmother in the family. He was in North Carolina. His stepmother passed away. Alfred Payton is dealing with a strained right hamstring. That's a huge problem. So the good news is, you know, Smith playing well. You're hoping that this could maybe be, well, first of all, condolences to his family. That's first and foremost. You hope that he handles it in the right way, but everyone grieves differently. You know, it's it's a tough it's a tough thing. And I'm not even going to throw out examples of, of other of other players. You know, I, that out of respect to Dennis Smith and his family, and everyone should be acting like that. I'm not trying to, you know, tell you how to act or tell Dennis Smith how to act. That's not my place, and it's not anyone's place to do that. But we hope that you know he'll have to take his time to come back, as anybody would in that situation. But when he comes back, we'll have to see how he handles it. It's a factor. But to lose Alfred Payton already to an injury is a big blow. It's a big blow. Guy that had been playing well at times at a vital position for this team. A vital position for the Knicks. And a strained right hammy this early on. It could be a big blow. It really could. There's no question about that. And it worries me. It really does. Because this is a team that has to be all hands on deck. To win games. Like I mentioned earlier, one guy cannot win it for you every night. You can't have Bobby Portis games every night. It's not happening. The team's not good enough. It's great when that happens. But 
think about it. The Knicks had to come back from a ton to get their only win so far in five games. It's, a, it's you know, <laughs> there's some negative in that. You know, it, it's not just the fact that they came back and won. They were down in, to begin with against a bad Bulls team. They recovered, they won. It was great to see. The garden was rocking. It was incredible. But it's it's frustrating. Yeah, the Knicks, again, are not putting together full performances. Now listen, in the third and fourth quarter, the Knicks, again, what we saw was what we were hoping for. They defended out of their minds in that game. That's the difference. And again, you hold Orlando to 95 points. I get it. it, it you give yourself a chance to win but only scoring 83. I mean, that's a college score. That's a college score for offense right there. That's tough to take against a Magic team that's good, not great in that regard. And obviously, there's already a scoring problem developing with the Knicks. Marcus Morris is starting to already have some problems. He's starting to get very inefficient from the field. And Coach Fisdale is telling us that he has tendonitis in his knee. Last two games, Marcus Morris has taken 24 shots. He's missed 18 of them. So he goes off on opening night. And since then, his shooting percentage, I think, is sub 35%. So Morris is struggling. Julius Randle is turning the ball over. There's no getting around that. I think he has over 20 in his last four games. So big, so sample size of the five games, that's dreadful. Mitchell Robinson looks like the same guy on offense. Something might have to change in that front court. Now, Should we see Kevin Knox in the starting lineup? That's been a question mark that's come up the last couple of days. My only response to that is, why not? If Marcus Morris is hurt and Mitchell Robinson is not doing the job on the offensive end, listen, for for the most part, there's been a little bit of blips, but for the most part, on offense, I've liked what I've seen from Kevin Knox. He's, He's more aggressive. He's been a little bit more, a teensy bit more efficient for the most part from the field. And he's, again, he's getting to the lane. He's making things happen. He's trying to get to the basket. They've tried to drill that into his head. See what, this is the year. These are the years to do this for his development. See what he does. Start him for a game. Maybe not against Boston. Might get eaten alive. But, but start him at home against Cleveland. See what he does. See how he can handle himself with big minutes. That kind of stuff is frustrate, frustrating. And to be honest with you, I can see why people are frustrated about the Frank Nilakina situation. Because I, I can apply that same logic to him. No Frank Nilakina in the starting lineup while the offense continues to struggle, I mean, basically, David Fisdale, you could argue this. If Fisdale's not going to start him against Orlando, 
when in God's name is he going to start him? With Dennis Smith out, grieving a loss in the family, and Alfred Payton out with a hamstring injury, if you're not going to start Frank Nilakina there, when are you going to start him? Because that was a winnable game. And listen, Nilakina hit, a, I think, a crazy shot at the end of the first quarter. I think he had a buzzer beater from, I think, half court. So, and, and on defense, again, okay, did fine. But it's one of those things where not cracking the starting lineup at that point, you start to wonder what, what's what's going on. What's the, you know, has David Fisdale basically said, we're, we're not going to do with this kid. The Knicks needed opportunities to score. And they took bad shots. I mean, it's, there's no other way to, to go about that. Or rather, no other way to break it down. It's frustrating. It's frustrating. Because we know what the Nick team is. This Nick team is capable of. I think we've seen it. We've seen some flashes. Terrible offense against Orlando, and again, Julius Randle and Marcus Morris. Again, Marcus Morris is hurt apparently, but Julius Randle, again on offense, you know he's still working on you know having the load. Terrible. Really turning the ball over too much. Hanging on to the ball a lot. Just not doing anything. And Fisdale pointed this out. I mean, for those that watched the presser on Wednesday, he, he talked about it. I think he said, the, to quote him, I believe he said the ball just stopped moving. But, it, but how long, he said this. He has said this game after game, going back to last season. Game after game. The Knicks shot 38%, 23% from deep. And again, 83 points is a college score. In this NBA, that's embarrassing. Now again, they defended to keep themselves in the game. It's frustrating. Again, a winnable game where the Knicks, again, down a couple of guys, but... You know, not even playing Frank Nilakina. It's now or never. Are you going to play him or not as a starter? Now, to be fair, the, the, the quote that I think got everyone riled up is that, well, Frank Nilakina is going to have a big workload. He's just not going to start, essentially, is what he said. Nilakina did play 29 minutes, seven points, four assists, and I think he had four rebounds as well. Now, again, Wayne Ellington, holy smokes. I mean, he's been terrible was terrible again in, in, in the loss to the Magic. What did he have? Two points? One of eight shooting? Oh, my God. I, I mean, just another microcosm of where the Knicks' offense is at. I, I think I, I can count on both hands how many bad shots of those eight he took. I, I think six of the eight were just, I mean, what are you doing? Not in the offense. Could have gotten a better shot. Or, you know, give it to someone who's actually hot, hotter, open. You know, these are the shots that killed the Knicks. And again, listen, to hold Orlando to 95 is great, but when you score 83, it doesn't mean a whole lot. Let me take a break here. I want to get to some more of this, and I want to dive in a little bit further with what's going to happen going forward. More to come. 
on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network, the Shock Jock Knicks Podcast. More in just a second. All right, folks, second part of the show, diving back in to the week that's been in Knicks news. Touched on the Frank Nilakina stuff a little bit. I believe I touched a little bit on the stuff going on with the point guard position, as well as Kevin Knox, uh, kind of calling for him to get, you know, maybe starters minutes. Nilakina as well, you know, again, interesting thing there. You know, for me also, with what's going on right now, you look at what's going on with Marcus Morris's injury. You look at what's going on with Alfred Payton's injury. That the ineffectiveness at times of Mitchell Robinson, specifically on the offensive end of the floor. One guy we haven't seen that that's really starting to go around is Iggy Brasdakis, the rookie out of Michigan, a kid that can score, can score the rock, and has some swagger to him has some athletic ability can shoot the ball could be a spark to the team but it's one of those things where you know five games in you know right now David Fisdale does not feel comfortable playing him at all on the floor now Alonzo Trier at times has stepped up in very small samples we've seen some good stuff from Kevin Knox so there's you know a couple of guys ahead of him Bobby Portis you know th- those kind of players but, you know, when's Ziggy going to move out the pecking order, get some bench time and things of that nature? You know, these are the times where you'd think playing the young guys could be helpful when guys are hurt, when the rotation has to be shaken up. You throw a couple of these guys in. That's that's normally what you would expect. We'll see if that happens going forward with the Knicks. But it's just frustrating coming back to the fact that, it, it it just feels avoidable almost. I know it's it's not that easy, but when you're watching the games, it's it's one of those things where guys are just not picking their heads up. They're not looking around. They're not surveying the scene, and it, it doesn't help when when the the guys that are paid to do that are not playing. Dennis Smith Jr. and Alfred Payton did not play against Orlando, but Julius Randle instead of just holding the ball, can look up and try to find somebody. You know, if the shot clock's running down, fine. Throw one up. Try to hit the rim and get an offensive rebound. If not, make the shot. But but again, you know, Marcus Morris as well, who played so well earlier in the first couple of games and then and in the preseason, but was just part of the problem last night in the loss to Orlando on Wednesday, I should say. And, and it's one of those things where, you know, at some point, whether it's tomorrow, whether it's the start of this November stretch or whether it's even, you know, later on at some point, we've got to see Iggy Brasdakis. And that's another part of it. Again, not a major thing for me, but if you're not going to play or rather, if these other guys are not going to be able to play, whether it's because they're not playing while they're injured or trying to recover from injuries like Marcus Morris is playing through a knee injury. My God, you know, this is the perfect time for you not to play. Let these younger guys step in. But I get it. You know, he wants to earn the contract and and things like that. Guys play through injuries, and I get that. It's not a big deal. It's not one of the bigger deals. But in an offense that that clearly needs some reshuffling, it's just stagnant. Nothing's happening at times on the floor. You know, why not throw Nilakina in the starting lineup? Why Why not give Kevin Knox 35 minutes? 
You give Iggy Brasdakis 15 minutes or 10 minutes off the bench to, to try to knock down a couple of shots. You know, th- these are the kind of things. You know, Mitch, give Mitchell Robinson a kick in the rear end and be like, hey, we need to start seeing it from you on the offensive end. Now, if he can't do it, he can't do it. And he's not developed as much as we thought he would be at this point on the offensive end. But hey, this is why you draft these other guys. This is why you look to the younger guys. And listen, for me, the biggest bright spot of the first five games has been R.J. Barrett. Dude is consistently putting the ball in the hole and doing the extra things on both ends of the floor. I'm really thrilled with what he's done in five games. And again, if you want to say this is all sample size, it's all, it's all five games, it's a small sample size, I'm not going to argue with you. But it's also a precursor to what could happen. And when five games turns into 15, and when 15 turns into 25, and 25 turns into 35, and it's the same problems, don't come crying to me. This is why we talk about this stuff. And this is why this stuff has to be addressed. Or it's last year all over again. And this is what I don't get. You know, the few Knicks fans out there that like sweeping this stuff under the rug. This is when it needs to be addressed. This is when the culture is being built. And and listen, I'm already getting Fisdale can't coach and Fisdale can't do this and Fisdale can't do that. I'm not saying he's a genius. But clearly the players respond to him. They like him. They listen to him. They play for him. And while he's got that, he's going to be the head coach. Now, again, for those that, you know, that, that, that want him gone, we'll talk about that at the end of the season. You know, if we're in February and the Knicks are right where they were last year, we can have that conversation. But if you're telling me five games in, you're blaming Coach Fisdale because Julius Randle is turning the ball over eight times, and because Marcus Morris is now cold from the field, and because his point guards are not playing, because one has to deal with a death in the family, and one is hurt. Really? I think any coach would struggle with that. So come on. The the early Fisdale can't coach crap is ridiculous. Give me a break. Talk to me in February or talk to me in January. Don't don't give me this stuff five games in. You're going to give me this five games in? Come on. Give me a break. Because I hear the the Nilakina apologists out there that when he hasn't been playing well early on or that he should be playing more and and all this stuff, they're giving him a break. It's only been five games. You can't do that and then rip Fisdale because it's only been five games. You can't go back on one and then hit on the other. It doesn't work like that. There's no, well, it's only been five games. Give Nilakina a shot. You let him play it out and then say, well, five games. Man, Fisdale stinks. He can't coach. You can't have it both ways. You can't use the same logic turn the coin over, and then rip the other guy for the opposite part of the same logic. Doesn't happen like that. And listen, I get that you're frustrated. I am too. This is stuff that's similar 
to what happened at times last year, except the Knicks weren't trying to win, you could argue, last season. Now they're trying to win, and with a different group, the similar things are happening. But it's only been five games. And I got to be honest with you, even though it's been four out of five losses, did we really expect the Knicks to do much better than one and four? Look at the schedule and who they played. I think the Knicks were expected to lose the first three games. They beat Chicago. Now, they had to come from behind. They had to pull off a bit of a crazy comeback to win, and they did that. Bobby Portis really shined in that game. Orlando, a borderline playoff team on the road. The Knicks defended well. They didn't shoot the ball well. They shot the ball terribly. It's the first clunker of the season, in my opinion. Although, you can, you know, to be fair, listen, Boston's a very good team, but the scoreline was rough. There's no question. You know, to, to lose by 20, was it 23, 27, 27, they lost by 27. That's rough. I'm not going to, you can have that one, but it's Boston. You, you might, you, that, that was possible. If the Knicks, listen, they're going to Boston next. By the time you listen to the show, it, it's one of those things where you'd like to see a response, but that's expected to be another loss. The stretch that follows that is where we need to start seeing these improvements lead to wins. It's a very winnable stretch from November 3rd to November 18th. It really is. There's no getting around that. If you come, if we're talking on November 21st, that'll be the show that follows that stretch. And the Knicks haven't gone 500 in that stretch or worse. We can start talking about bigger problems. But we got to see them get... You know, this is a tough part of the schedule. These first five, six games. We talked about this. Going into the start of the season. In my opinion, 500 would have been... I would have been thrilled. But I was hoping for two and four. I think that might have been a little optimistic. But this was that second game. I thought the Orlando game or the Brooklyn game were opportunities if they didn't beat San Antonio and they lost both of those games and they defended pretty well in both of them but again the offense listen Brooklyn Kyrie makes a couple of shots you lose the game but Orlando was the first time we started to see we were starting to see those signs from last year and my thing that I'm sticking to is let Fisdale figure this out it's five games in but also to be fair you know, if you have to shake it up because there's injuries, and again, I'm not saying, and maybe I, hopefully I'm being clear here, I'm not saying so-and-so's not playing well, get him out of there. I'm saying, hey, if Alfred Payton, I think most Knicks fans are saying this as well, this is the minority that I'm taking shots at here. Hey, if Alfred Payton's not going to play because he's hurt, why are we not playing Frank Nilek? I thought he was the next guy up. Why isn't Frank Nilekina starting? And that, to me, is a fair question. If Dennis Smith is not available and Alfred Payton is hurt and you're not starting Frank Nilekina, you can you can give us the, the he's going to play a lot of minutes thing all you want. But why wouldn't Frank Nilekina start? So I get why that question is coming up. I really do. And it's one of those things where 
it, it, it's not, oh, I don't know if it's even an excuse. It's just, an, I guess he, he just doesn't like Nilakina in that spot. Now, the reason that he gave, I believe, to the media was he doesn't want Frank Nilakina in foul trouble. And that to me is, is weak. That's a weak excuse. It's the NBA. These Sir Fouls-a-Lots that wear the stripes or, or wear the grays, the, the refs, they're going to call a lot of fouls, regardless if you're aggressive on the defensive end, whether it's the first quarter or the fourth quarter or anywhere in between. So I... That doesn't make sense to me. If you don't want to lose him, just take him off when he's in foul trouble as a starter. I, I don't... And he wants to avoid that. But what if Nilakina comes in and fouls two guys and... and it's the it's the second or the third quarter, and he's at four fouls. You're still gonna have to take him out anyway. So I, I don't I don't get that that explanation from Fisdale, but it's one of those things where it's more about the depth chart. It's more about well, how much do you trust Frank Nilakina then if you're not gonna start him when it's the the season parted for him to start? Yeah, he's still playing 27 minutes, but he's a bench player. I I, I don't know. It, it's tough. It's a tougher one to swallow there. It's a tougher one to understand. Because I'm, I, and this is, and this is coming from somebody who, who doesn't feel confident, by the way, in Frank Nilakina's ability that thinks that we should see how he plays before we think about giving him a contract going forward. And many have, agree, have disagreed with me on this, although some have, have agreed. That's how it works. And that's fine. But I come down on it with this. This is the time to find out whether or not you want Frank Nilakina next year. And to not start him, I, I, I don't understand. 27 minutes is, an, is, a, is a good chunk of time to find out about somebody. I get that. But you also need a, guard, a point guard to come in right away in the game and set the tempo and set the, the, the tone for the rest of the game. And the Knicks, right from the get-go, were stagnant on offense. And it never improved in that magic loss. <sighs> it's tough. It's frustrating. And I get Nick fans for being frustrated. One little piece of news I want to get to as well. Uh, Ivan Rab has signed a two-way deal with the Knicks. Um, this happened about a week ago. Not a, not a big deal, in my opinion. Um... Because, like we talked about with some of these other injuries, it would take, you know, Randall and Portis and Robinson either not play well, mostly to be hurt, for us to see Ivan Rab, and he's going to be fluctuating between the Westchester Knicks and the New York Knicks on a two-way contract. He was a second-round pick of the Grizzlies back in 2017. Uh, I like that they added the depth, but I also, you know, I, I'd, be sh I'd be, well, I'll say this. If we ever see Ivan Rab play this season... The Knicks are in some trouble. So there's a foot, footnote there for you. Uh, before we get out of here, I, there's a couple more things that I did want to hit on before we go, before I leave for the week. <laughs> Number one is this. Um, the upcoming schedule, again, is winnable for the Knicks. There's a lot of winnable games as we get towards November and really close to Thanksgiving Day. By the way, uh, for those that are going to the November 14th uh, Knicks-Dallas game, I am thinking about going to that game. I'm not sure yet. 
I'm either going to try to go to that game or the Charlotte game on November 16th. Uh, so for those that listen to the show, if you want to meet up, uh, if you want to uh, chill out, whatever, I'm going to try to go to one of those games. That's the plan. Uh, as a big college basketball fan, though, I might be going to another. Uh, I might be going to a couple of college hoops games during that time as well. So I'm still trying to figure out my schedule. There's a couple of big games. My alma mater, Seton Hall, is ranked this year. Big season for them. They're playing in a lot of big games. So I'm trying to fig- fit that in while also getting to some Knicks games as well. Uh, so keep that in mind for those that are going to those games. If you if you if you are going as well, keep that in mind. I'm trying to get to at least one or two before the end of November. That's at least the plan. It never always works out for me that way when I try to get to the Garden, but I'm going to try and hit up a couple of those games and see the guys play in person. Uh, before I go, though, I did want to look at the standings from around the NBA. And I, I don't know how I want to do this yet on the show as the season goes along. I want to do. I want to give my NBA thoughts on the general league as well when I can. Obviously, the Knicks are the top priority. I'm not going to go too far off the Knicks. I want to give, you know, I just want to give storylines that are around the NBA some thoughts, just because, you know, like many of you, I'm, I'm not just a Knicks fan, I'm a basketball fan, and I enjoy talking about basketball in general. Uh, first of all, it's been fun to watch the Nets struggle as much as the Knicks. I'll say that. They're one and three. <laughs> Been off to a bit of a slow start, as predicted, by the way. I didn't expect the Nets to be guns a-blazing out of the start. I expected them to be struggling as well. But on top of that, the Carl Anthony Towns, Joel Embiid situation that happened in the game in Philly last night. I wanted to give my two cents on that situation and and the aftermath uh, behind it. I'm going to try to keep it short. I know I know there's uh, there's it's been well documented, I guess, what happened. But basically, from from where from, from me watching the highlight and from me watching the brawl on the you know the 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 the, the aftermath of it, and then on top of that the the social media stuff from that and I'm watching it again now on one of my monitors here uh while I'm finishing up the show man Joel Embiid's a dirty player a- and it you don't have to be physically dirty to be a dirty player and listen there's trash talk that goes on in the NBA and th- there's there's nasty stuff that's said by fans stuff that crosses the line, you know, stuff that's racially charged and, and, you know, nasty, nasty stuff, stuff about their families and multiple stars get it. It's one of those things that happens. And I'm not saying that's a good thing. It's a terrible thing that happens in the NBA. It really is. And in all of sports, to be fair, not just the NBA, but it seems to happen more in the NBA because the fans are a lot closer to the players than any other sport in the professional ranks. So it's one of those things where when you see what happened last night between Joel Embiid and Carl Anthony Towns, to be fair, this is between player and player. Carl Anthony Towns is a very disciplined guy. And, and this is for me not only reading more about him after the incident, but from people that I know that have covered him since high school that came out and said things. Joel Embiid must have said something that completely crossed the line 
to get under Carl Anthony Towns' skin. And for Joel Embiid to come out after that, smiling, you know, because he got under his skin, I guess. I guess that's why he was smiling. For his teammates to back him up. Now, again, I don't know what was said. That's bad enough. And I don't want to take this too far. But Joel Embiid took it too far when he took to social media. He did. He took it too far. And by the way, by the way, took a shot at his former teammate, Jimmy Butler, as well, on Instagram. Now listen, I'm not saying... Because there were times, you know, early on in the process, even while they were winning, that I was a fan of Joel Embiid. Here's what he said on social media. Great team win. I was raised around Lions and a cat pulled on me tonight. LMAO, laugh my bleep off. Jimmy Butler, he tags him. I missed being part of the third stringers. I got his mom giving me middle fingers. That's some serious real estate. Hashtag fight night. Hashtag I ain't no bleep. What what are we doing here? This is not even, to me, this is not even part of the soap opera of the NBA. This is looking for a problem four games into a season. I get that Joel Embiid, for those that don't know Joel Embiid, not first of all, I don't know him either, to be fair, but I've read a, a lot about him. I've seen a lot of his interviews. I, I've, you know, because of, I'm, an, I'm an NBA fan and, and, and enjoy part of his personality. He's a very confident guy. He expects to win at everything. And that could bring that kind of crap out of people. Where you go over the line to try to get under somebody's skin. But, but that crosses the line. That, that social media post for me. You might feel differently. You may feel differently. That's fine. I don't care. This is my opinion. And and, and I got to be honest with you. It's really frustrating. When a guy like Carl Anthony Towns is being pushed over the edge like that. And and I believe he came out and even defended himself. and, And things of that nature. And rightfully so. Now listen. Put the game aside. The, the Sixers dominated. They're a better team than the Timberwolves. That, that's not the story here. That's part of the problem, to be fair. But Joel Embiid is getting very close to being Draymond Green. Very close. And by that I mean, you're starting to hurt your team now. This could end up being a problem that hurts the team at some point. When did it hurt Draymond Green's team? You ask. Oh, I I don't know. Uh, how about getting too many technicals in the 2016 NBA Finals so you weren't able to play Game 5, Cleveland wins, and when you come back, it's too late, and Cleveland comes back from 3-1 down to win an NBA championship. Just one example. I'm not saying that's going to happen to Joel Embiid, but I'm also saying being mentally tough is not just about putting other people down. It's about being able to take it without having to throw hands. And for me, it's one of the biggest reasons why for me the Sixers are not winning a championship this season. Whether it's because of Joel Embiid's attitude or his injury prowess. At some point, he is going to turn this team 
back from where it's going, which right now it's ascending. 4-0, they feel great. They've dominated to start the season. I'm sure they're going to be right there in the East. But in my opinion, players like that bring your team down when you don't have anybody else around to pick you up as a player. You know, this is not the Warriors of 2017-2018 where Draymond Green was still doing his, his crap and Kevin Durant and Steph Curry and Klay Thompson can bail you out. Joel Embiid is supposed to be the best player on the Sixers, and when their best player's doing that, that leads to problems when the games start counting the most. That's where I'm going to end the show this week. Guys, as always, in the comments, let me know what you think about the Knicks, the NBA, any questions about either one. Hit me up. I'll try to answer it on next week's show. Hoping for a successful week in Knicks hoops. Hoping for a fun week of NBA basketball excited as always thank you so much for always listening to the show for subscribing to the podcast on itunes for interacting on social media for commenting in the in the comments section on posting and toasting.com you guys are the best and i will see you next week on the shock jock nicks podcast on the posting and toasting podcast network